faithwire.com. Hello and welcome to 4 and 3, a podcast breaking down four of the most important stories of the day and three things you need to know about them, all from a Christian perspective. Today's Thursday, May 27th, 2021. I'm Dana Andros, and coming up on the podcast today, Rand Paul tells CBN News that Fauci must go. We'll have the details there and also Facebook's about face on the Wuhan lab theory. Uh, Michigan schools censored a senior's references to Jesus in their graduation speech. And parents are speaking out about critical race theory popping up in a Catholic school. And Protestant church closures are outpacing openings across the country. So we're going to have the details on those stories and more with Trey Gons Phillips from faithwire.com. Trey, what's going on? Happy Thursday. Um, Yes. Yeah, so a lot of of, like faith-based stuff on today's, uh, or like, uh, heavily faith-based yes. stuff happening on today's podcast. So, uh, you yes, know, some, some some not too good stories, but you know, there's there's always a or not always, but hopefully we can find a silver lining and a a good angle in a yeah. lot of them. Yeah, and people. Say, by the way, I'll just just take that opportunity here to clarify something. People often say, you know, because we obviously we're a Christian news site, and Faithwire is the name, yeah. Christian Broadcast Network, our parent company there, and. Uh, so it's a Christian news organization, but we cover the news. So there's just going to be some stories that are just news we think you need to know. And so uh, there's never, not every single story has an explicit like, well, here's what Jesus said about that. Um, uh, so yeah. that can be for you all to decide. But, um, you know, we try to bring every, you know, through CBN and through Faithwire, the news that we feel is uh, what you need to know. And so, uh, and so I, I just wanted to point that out because a lot of times somebody will look at just, us covering a story and they'd be like, well, why are you doing that? Aren't you a faith site? Mm -hmm. First of all, everything falls under God's umbrella here. I mean, to state the obvious, but. (laughs) Uh, And I think too, you know, it's important that you just, uh, all of these stories matter and they uh, have faith-based impacts. So it's more about just looking at the news, whatever the news is from uh, through the lens of right. our biblical faith. Exactly. Uh, so, you know, we want to give people handles as best we can Indeed. to navigate these these tough issues. Indeed. And so uh, let's let's try and do that right here on story number one. And uh, this uh, was an interview that happened uh, with Rand Paul on, on a CBN primarily. So we'll get into that. But uh, there is a whole lot going on with the Wuhan lab leak controversy yet. That media and social media gatekeepers, they dismissed this last year as a conspiracy theory. Um, I'll have some some examples of that coming up. It's just, it's phenomenal to look back at. Um, And then just yesterday, Facebook announced that it's no longer going to take down posts claiming that COVID-19 was man-made or manufactured, according to Politico. Uh, This after a mountain of reporting over the past year dismissing the idea as a crackpot theory. And uh, this news is particularly potentially disastrous for not only China, but Dr. Anthony Fauci uh, and Senator Rand Paul told CBN News that he's becoming more and more convinced uh, that COVID-19 originated in the Wuhan Institute of Virology. You can see that whole interview, by the way, over on the CBN News YouTube channel. So uh, he said, when I first heard about the controversy a year ago, the scientist said, well, the virus doesn't look like one that man would devise, came from bats. So I sort of took him at their word on that. But then I learned that the group of scientists saying this was actually self-interested. And so Paul told CBN News that Dr. Fauci has not been forthright. He said, 
The NIH and Dr. Anthony Fauci have been funding Wuhan research. They do it through an intermediary called EcoHealth. And it's interesting, when they investigated whether this virus had come out of a lab or occurred naturally, who did they hire? They hired the head of EcoHealth to be in charge of this investigation. So the guy who was funding the Wuhan lab was also put in charge of investigating whether the Wuhan lab leaked the virus. I mean, that certainly seems like a conflict of interest. Uh, Paul and others say they they do believe that COVID-19 spread by mistake during gain-of-function experiments that are intended to create and study viruses. So the, the intention is good, but then the implication here is that China was careless and that some of the, as we reported earlier this week, you know, the, some of the lab workers got sick back in November of 2019 uh, with coronavirus-like symptoms. So, and you also may recall Chinese scientist Dr. I'm going to butcher the name here, but Dr. Xi Zhengli, uh, who works at the lab in Wuhan, admitted when the pandemic first started, she didn't sleep at night worrying that it came from the lab. But then she suddenly changed her mind. And so we all know China and, and the oppression that happens there. So you can only imagine what happened behind the scenes to get that opinion to change around quickly. But um, here's what Paul said. He said, I think Dr. Fauci downplays the NIH uh, and his organization NIAID in this research. But when you look at Dr. Xi's paper, when she's juicing up and creating these super viruses, she thanks them, NIH, uh, in her paper. So um, he said scientists from other places have said, yeah, it was gain of function and they were making the super virus, et cetera. I mean, there's ads that that have come out from way before the, the virus came out uh, that were basically for the Wuhan lab saying, hey, we're looking to do research on this. So, so there's there's definitely evidence pointing uh, to this. And so he goes, and then you have Dr. Fauci. This is Dr. Paul now. He says, you have Dr. Fauci saying, oh, no, it didn't happen. And he said, I think he's concerned that if it's discovered that it ultimately came from the Wuhan lab, it will boomerang and come back to him. And so now you have many in the media, even Dr. Fauci now going, well, maybe we can look into this. So, um, but you have, the, the interesting aspect here is people in the media are attempting to gaslight their dismissal of this theory at the time. Glenn Kessler, who's the fact checker at the Washington Post, said, how did this happen? Well, for one, efforts to discover a natural source of the virus have failed. That's true. Second, early efforts to spot a lab leak often got mixed up with speculation that the virus was deliberately created as a bioweapon. That made it easier for scientists to dismiss the lab scenario as tin hat nonsense. And the Trump administration's messaging was often accompanied by anti-Chinese rhetoric that made it easier for skeptics to ignore the claim. But in looking at Kessler's own post, he only cites one instance of somebody who's from the Washington Times mentioning the bioweapon theory. I mean, the overwhelming articles that I look back at so far uh, from the New York Times, NPR, and others just talk about a lab leak. They don't mention anybody bringing up this bioweapon thing. So really seems like gaslighting here to try to make themselves look better for ignoring this uh, in the first place. Um, and so what's the left saying? Well, I, just a quick sampling of some of the headlines from last year about the lab leak theory. Uh, the New York Times called it, quote, fringe conspiracy theory. Uh, just two months ago, CNN likened it to, quote, something out of a comic book. And last year, CNN amplified China's talking points, siding with them over Trump, saying, quote, we, we urge to stop the U.S. Uh, spreading disinformation. That was them quoting China. Uh, they also CNN also said it, quote, didn't happen. Um, Washington Post accused Tom Cotton of, quote, 
fanning the embers of a conspiracy conspiracy theory that was repeatedly debunked by experts. Um, and NPR said, scientists debunk lab accident theory. Uh, so what's the right saying? Well, the right's been, you know, has accused the media of essentially dismissing the story merely because President Trump kept calling it the Wuhan virus. And so they didn't like that. You may remember all the stories at the time saying it's not a Wuhan virus that comes from a bat. Um, and so that's apparently the extent of this racist rhetoric is just saying it's from Wuhan. Uh, why does it matter? Well, I mean, we've talked about this, uh, Trey, a bunch now, but I mean, it matters because the media needs to be held accountable on this stuff. Uh, they never seem to be. And, and social media gate, gatekeepers that are trying to like tell you what's true and not true, they were completely wrong on this. People's accounts got suspended punished, you know, zinged, whatever else you want to, you know, suppressed uh, for weeks with COVID misinformation labels. Their reputations were smeared and tarnished as unreliable. And uh, when yeah. it was a completely plausible option for what might have happened, I mean, we don't know, but it certainly isn't misinformation. Um, and so, I mean, it just shows the flaw in in that model of trying to siphon the information into what you think is correct and i mean we all have blind spots so it's better to just let all the information come out there and uh let the chips fall where they may it's just so frustrating to see that the media has been just operating as as an extension of so much of our our political yeah. system so yeah. much of the left uh, it's because I mean Glenn Kessler at the Post saying that uh, the you know we had to, they had to dismiss the idea because it was so tarnished by the Trump administration for their uh, xenophobic or racist attacks on China uh, and it's it, it, interesting to see that like right after the inauguration right when we started worrying about uh, Biden had been sworn in and, and we start worrying about these COVID variants. All of a sudden, it's okay and acceptable. It's in vogue to say the Brazilian variant or the yeah. South African variant. And I think had the President Trump done that, immediately that would have been dismissed as, as racist, uh, as, as yeah, xenophobic yeah. attack. That's 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 more racism. Uh, so it's just I think the frustrating thing for so many people who are conservative, even some moderate people, is the way the goalposts keep shifting on mm. what is acceptable to say and what's not acceptable to say and what questions are acceptable to ask and concerns are okay to raise. It, it all hinges on who's sitting behind the resolute desk yep. in the Oval Office, it seems. Yeah. Uh, so the frustration, I think, is 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 understandable. Uh, and I think we just we have to go the extra mile to really kind of understand these issues uh, and as, as believers, just try to keep a, a calm head about it all. And, uh, you know, like we've said several times, really dig into these stories and, and don't trust the first thing you read or the first yeah. headline on your Twitter feed or Facebook wall. And I don't even know. I mean, they're really doing the most damage to themselves. And then just to fact checkers yeah. as a whole, why would you believe anything right now that says disinformation? What? Even if they're 100% right, yeah. right, why would you believe it? Because they've been wrong so many times on huge stories like this. They've been blatantly wrong. Uh, and so, I mean, uh, why, you know, it's like it's like the boy who cried wolf. You cry wolf, wolf, wolf a million times. And then, you know, it's like, you know, you, you fact check, fact check, fact check. Oh, wrong, 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 wrong. Why am I going to listen to this anymore? You know, it's just it's nonsense. Yeah. So they're and just they're just decrediting themselves. 
Yeah. And, you know, it, it would be, uh, we're all humans, so I'm not, it's, it's very possible and, and understandable and acceptable for journalists to make mistakes. Yeah. I don't think anybody is, has an issue with that. Right. The problem is, is that there's not even a willingness to entertain the idea that, yeah. you know, we maybe need to do some self-reflection and we might've been wrong here. No. I, I cannot a mainstream anchor on the network saying, Oh, I was wrong on this. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. you know, it's, it's just frustrating on all, on all fronts. All right. So, all right. Story number two. So Elizabeth Turner, uh, she's a high school senior in Michigan. Uh, she's slated to, li- to deliver her school's valedictory speech, but administrators are now telling her that she can't include any references to her Christian faith. So Amy Goldsmith, the principal of Hillsdale High School, told Turner via a note on a Google Doc of the senior speech that it's, quote, not appropriate for her to explicitly talk about her faith in Jesus Christ. So here's the problematic portion of Turner's speech. She wrote, for me, my future and my relation, my future hope is my relationship with Christ by trusting in him and choosing to live a life dedicated to bringing his kingdom glory. I can be confident that I am living a life with purpose and meaning. My identity is found by what God says and who I want to become is laid out in scripture. So Goldsmith told the student that she couldn't deliver the speech as it's written because she is, quote, representing the school in the speech, not using the podium as your public forum. The principal went on to tell Turner she needs to be mindful of others' religious beliefs or lack of religious beliefs altogether. Turner pushed back, telling the principal that her her future relies on her faith, and she wants the freedom to be able to address that in her speech. (laughs) So what's the left saying? Well, the left doesn't weighed in on this particular story, but this is far from the first time this has happened. We've covered this issue many times at Faithwire and CBN News over the years. Uh, Often at graduation time, uh, we see organizations like the Freedom From Religion Foundation uh, cropping up with complaints about speeches uh, at public schools by pastors and even students uh, with faith-based elements in them, arguing that that's a violation uh, of the separation of church and state. So what's the right saying? Well, First Liberty Institute, the religious freedom law firm that's representing Turner, uh, is accusing the public school of violating the seniors' First Amendment rights as well as federal guidance from the Department of Education. Uh, Attorney Keisha Russell said, graduation is a time for celebration, not censorship. Students retain their constitutional rights to freedom of speech from elementary school all the way through the graduation ceremony. All public schools should protect private religious or I, I think Dan the trend that bothers me most is the way our religious freedoms are are being attacked sometimes it's really obvious but much of the time it's more subtle uh, and and kind of tougher to identify uh, you know, thankfully we aren't seeing people being rounded up and being persecuted for their faith like a lot of countries are yeah uh, but we are the same believers silenced or ridiculed or censored in culture for sharing their convictions and it's always kind of in the name of uh, for the common good or for inclusion or for being more sensitive. I think what I fear could happen is we couldn't end up in a society, and we're already seeing some of this, where our faith has been so watered down, at least in what's publicly acceptable, that it's become ineffectual at actually influencing or impacting society in a in a really meaningful way. Yeah, yeah, and it's always it's always struck me as just. Um... Uh, as a, as a believing Christian, it, it always strikes me as I can understand 
why unbelievers want to keep the word of Christ out of there, right? Um, yeah. And and I I don't know that they consciously think that's what they're doing, but uh, there's no there's no harm in reality in letting someone express their views on what their life philosophy is when they're especially when they've earned that right as like a valedictorian. Uh, that's going to be able to give a speech like let them say what they believe that's not that's not a school endorsing that and picking one religion over the other and blah 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 which are all arbitrary standards anyway but um it's yeah. uh it's just silly that we just think we're you know so scared of speech and so scared of ideas that we have to suppress everything and i think it could, we're seeing that bleed in now to what we talked about in the last story with social media we're trying to oh we got to curate this experience for everybody that's not that doesn't expose them to things we don't we don't like, and it's 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 such backwards thinking. We would be so much better off if we just um, allowed people to speak. <laughs> yeah, and I think the frustrating thing. Well, I mean, there are many frustrating yeah. things, but one of the frustrating <laughs> things is you know for the student for Turner Elizabeth. I, I would wager that probably a, a great deal of the the fact that she's been successful in her high school career, uh, she would probably credit to her faith. And yeah. she's supposed to be talking in this speech about her life, why she's been such a success in high school, right. uh, and try to motivate her fellow students into the future. And what uh, if, if she can't talk about what led her to that point, how can she inspire other people? Yeah, yeah, a absolutely, 100%. And, you know, as... Anyone should be able to understand if faith is the central part of your life, you can't really speak to something that important without addressing it. So it's, yeah. you know, it's it's uh, hopefully, you know, the right thing will happen there. But, uh, you know, just the PC culture we're in, I'm not hopeful. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, let's uh, head into story number three. And um, parents of students at a private Catholic school in Chicago are raising concerns that woke ideology has infiltrated secular schools. Uh, and that's also extended now into Catholic schools, despite uh, the apparent contradictions with the Catholic Church's teachings. Uh, Noelle Maring, a scholar with the Ethics and Public Policy Center, wrote an op-ed outlining her concerns, calling, calling uh, critical race theory, CRT, quote, woke toxicity. She said it, quote, assaults the Catholic Church's teachings by promoting a, quote, rejection of the person, a rejection of reason, and a rejection of reverence. She elaborated on the incompatibility uh, between woke ideology and the Catholic Church's teachings uh, in an interview with the Christian Post. So she said that the Christian message is that people are defined by the love of God, and the woke message is that people are defined by hatred of society. Uh, from that implies two very different courses of action. She said the message, message of the gospel is to spread the good news that we are loved. The message of woke is to spread the bad news that we are either hated or haters. She said it's a bit of a Trojan horse and that it takes good instincts and inserts all of these ideological poisonous bombs that are going to end up really erasing the possibility of a relationship with Christ in the hearts of men and women. So I, I do think the stakes are high. And the more aware we can be, the better, she said. She also warned that although critical race theory and woke ideology promises, quote, friendship and reconciliation, it actually leads to greater division and an inability to live a flourishing uh, human life. So, I mean, left and right on this one hasn't really been specifically talked about on this particular case there in this Catholic school, but we've, we've talked about it um, 
uh, plenty of times before uh, Trey, you and I, uh, where we have um, just this contradiction happening at play. And now I, I think the interesting thing here with this story is that it's happening at people thought they were safe. If you didn't like critical race theory being taught in your school, you thought you were safe at a private school, but that doesn't appear to be the case anymore. Yeah. And I, I just don't know how you can marry something that has no path to redemption in it yeah, uh, with a gospel that, you know, at the center of the gospel is Jesus, who is the, you know, the greatest redemptive figure uh, of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, you know, the, the, the ultimate goal of the gospel message is to bring about redemption. And, yeah. and there's just, there is no option for redemption in critical race theory. Uh, because it boils somebody down to you know nothing more than their ultimate value is the color of their skin, uh, and then uh, even if they become anti-racist, as we've talked about before, whatever that means, if their skin is a certain color, it doesn't. In 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 a sense, it doesn't matter. They're always going to be uh, right. racist or whatever. It's so your, you know, we're a lot in life, yeah. Yeah, so we can we can talk about all of the different aspects of CRT, but it is concerning that that it's even weaving its way into so many Christian circles. Uh, that's not to say we shouldn't address racism and we shouldn't address these issues, but the gospel is sufficient to address them. We don't need some sort of other framework, right. uh, and certainly not one that's going to cause even greater division based on you know, how much melanin somebody has in yeah. their skin. Yeah. And I think, uh, as we said, as, uh, John Lennon's son was writing there, look at the results, you know, which approach yeah. led to more progress. I mean, are we perfect? No, but we're, we're always striving to be a more perfect union. And so, you know, after MLK and his message of content of, uh, you know, character, not the color of the skin and, you know, to go on that and, you know, instead of, instead of just looking at our skin and now we're sort of reverting back and it's like, has it led to more unity or more division right now. And uh, I would yeah. think the case is pretty clear. It's led to more division while, you know, MLK's legacy is pretty clear that, you know, we went from a time where, you know, we were segregating society and making certain people drink at different water fountains to now to having a black president. You know, we have a female black vice president. Um, I'd say we've come quite a long way. So now it feels like we're sort of in a mode of regressing uh, with by going with yeah. the CRT thing. So. Yeah, and there's uh, obviously we're not allowed to celebrate those victories <laughs> because it's as if they don't exist. Yeah. I think is is <laughs> yeah. another uh, is another frustrating thing about woke culture is that no matter what victories or milestones you accomplish, it's never actually enough because yeah. it, it, when compared to the past, it seems so you know so inconsequential. Uh, I, I think that's another frustration too. Is we we can't continue to just live in and dwell in the mindset of the past at a certain point, we're going to have to just decide to move forward. Uh, you know, that doesn't mean, like I said, we don't acknowledge the past right. and we don't do what we can to remedy some of the past errors, but we can't just live there. Uh, and that's what CRT, I think kind of pulls us into doing. Yeah. Indeed. So, all right, story number four. So uh, a new study from LifeWay Research shows that more Protestant churches are closing than opening in recent years. Uh, While researchers caution that it's 
pretty difficult to track with perfect precision, uh, the trend is clear. Uh, so the analysis, which looked at church data from 34 Protestant denominations across the country, uh, found that 4,500 churches closed in 2019, while only 3,000 or so were started. So Scott McConnell, the executive director of LifeWay Research, he said that even before the pandemic, the pace of opening new congregations was not even providing enough for placement closures and openings is a shift from the last time LifeWay gathered this kind of data in 2014, when around 4,000 churches were planted, while 3,700 closed within the year. So it's definitely a shift in the, the wrong direction. Uh, so Ed Stetzer, who's been part of several church plants and is the executive director for Wheaton College's Billy Graham Center, uh, said efforts at church planting are slowing down, even though there's still plenty of opportunity. Uh, because, quote, people are searching spiritually and the gospel is the answer. He said the pandemic will likely show even more challenging numbers. Uh, and though they may, there may be a blip, the larger trend is concerning. So this is also not really a, a right or left story. Uh, but the trend, though, is worth investigating and understanding, particularly for believers. There is some good news, though, uh, because I think some of the reason the number of churches uh, are declining is due to revitalization efforts. And McConnell said that uh, over the last decade or so, denominations have increased the attention they're giving to re reviving existing congregations that are struggling rather than just closing them and opening new churches. Mm -hmm. uh, even my church in Central Virginia, for example, we ended up merging with one of the oldest congregations in the city because it was dying and our congregation was growing. So we just became one church. Uh, so church planting also looks different now than it used to, mm. uh, particularly in unchurched and post-Christian areas. Uh, it takes more time and investment, and the end result doesn't always look like the church as we know it in the West. Sometimes it's a house church with just 10 or 15 people who are really committed to their faith. I know a church like that in Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, so while they're just as vital, it doesn't look like we often think it should look. Mm. Uh, but here's the thing, you know, there's no doubt people are looking for answers and so much of our church, uh, our culture is desperate for redemption that the church can offer. And Christians have a responsibility to live biblically and convictionally, and we shouldn't compromise on our beliefs, but we should always be reaching out to the secular world uh, with grace and love, because uh, you know, with the rise of CRT, with this woke culture, with an increasingly you know godless culture, people yeah. are looking for hope. They're looking for grace and redemption, and the church has that. Uh, we just need to find better ways, I think, to communicate it. Sometimes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, that's interesting. The different, you know, when you look at the number and you think, oh, that's shocking, and then you know, there are some other reasons why. Uh, maybe there's that disparity, and like you said, the merging churches and things like that. So. Uh, so that's some good news. And then the other good news is, we, as we've talked about a lot, Trey, God's sovereignty, you know, God's church is not going to, you know, he has declared that he's going to call all of his people to himself. And so he's not going to fail yeah. at that. Right. So all the people who are supposed to, you know, believe are going to do that. Like he's not going to fail and say, oh, well, I just I missed a few and looks like everyone stopped going to church and I just, oh, well, what am I going to do? I got no one left to worship me, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, so uh, we can trust in his sovereign grace there. And so, um, again, we, we've talked about that balance. Like you've got to um, do things that we're commanded to do. We're to preach the gospel. We're to, you know, open churches. We're to, you know, gather together. We're to do that stuff. So um, it's not like we just sit back and, you know, eat bonbons and just wait and see what God does. Like we, we have to do things that, that 
It's that deep mystery that we don't really know how it all works together. We're God's sovereignty and our responsibility, etc. But um, all we can do is look at God's word, what it says to do, do it, be faithful, and then just trust that the results will be exactly as God intended them to be. Yeah, absolutely. I think it is important for Christians to make themselves available and to do just the next right thing. You know, whatever scripture says, do whatever is is, is in line with scripture and then trust the Holy Spirit to do yeah. the work of actually redeeming somebody mm-hmm. or of actually converting or, or changing somebody's life, because that's not on us. Right. Uh, we need to make ourselves available. And then, like I said, the Holy Spirit uh, is going to do that redemptive work. Indeed. All right. That is all the time we have uh, for today. Um, Thank you so much for being here, as always. As we said earlier, you can follow us at all the places on iTunes. (laughs) Look for 4 and 3. It's over on CBN News and and FaithWire.com. Definitely check out CBNNews.com, FaithWire.com. We talked about uh, these news networks and just kind of how they were so off the rails. CBN, we hold ourselves accountable to God, and so you can at least trust that our intentions are there. So God bless you. We'll see you back here tomorrow.